Welcome to the third and final episode of Marketing by the Minute Season 3 After Class, and I am your host, Skyla Bentley. Throughout the series, we'll be exploring the different stages of WWU marketing alumni, with late career alum being the focus of today's episode. This podcast is being run, created, and edited by integrated marketing communication students with the goal of giving alumni an outlet to connect with current marketing students and give them insight into their personal marketing journey and the steps they have taken since graduation. Okay, so today we are going to be joined by Marketing Western alum, Chris Copacino, who graduated from Western in 2003 with a Bachelor of Science in Communications with a marketing focus. Uh, Throughout this episode, we will be exploring Chris's time at Western, how his degree has guided him throughout his marketing journey, and how he continues to find success within the ever-changing marketing industry. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to be the last guest of this um, installment of After Class Podcast. How is your morning going? It's great, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. uh, happy and willing to help out uh, fellow Vikings. So yes, yeah, we're super excited to have you here. So we actually start each episode with our guests sharing with us their kind of like elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, as many upcoming graduates are trying to come up with their value proposition, with the hopes of differentiating themselves against you know other um, you know new marketing graduates and entry level marketers. So to finish the marketing alum life cycle as an executive marketer, what do you bring th- to the table that nobody else does? That's a great question. Um, I think I think there's a, a combination uh, that I personally bring, but I think that is kind of a winning combination of um, hard and soft skills. And so, you know, on the hard skills for what I do, uh, it's I help businesses uh, succeed, and where businesses, uh, where, where business strategy and communication strategy kind of intersect, that's where I get involved. So, to do that, you really have to lean in and understand um, how biz- different businesses work. What are barriers to success? Uh, where competitive landscapes look like, audiences, and all those different things. And so, you know, really being intellectually curious and digging in and and understanding that is key. But then, you know, I think high emotional intelligence is huge too. Um, you know, that that's something that has been gaining popularity probably over the last five to ten years. And and um, a lot of uh, employers these days talk about you know they hire for emotional intelligence and then we'll teach hard skills after the fact. And I think that, I think there's something to that. I, you know, kind of all humility aside, I think I, I, I have a fair amount of emotional intelligence being able to read a room, use uh, different communication approaches with different folks. Um, not, not in, you know, a um, kind of manipulative way, but everybody needs to be approached a different way uh, and, and really understanding where they're coming from, having a high degree of empathy um, and, uh, you know, and it, it, it's become a little bit of a cliche, but this idea of leaning in and really being engaged and demonstrating to people that you're, you know, are authentically, um, leaning in and engaged goes a long way. So hopefully, hopefully that answered your question. No, yeah, definitely. No, I like what you said about, you know, just how, like having people skills and being able to communicate because I think, you know, we're taught this a lot throughout the marketing program is that communication is one of the biggest, you know, you know, like foundational elements of marketing is that you're communicating value to, you know, your prospective target market. So you have to be able to understand who those people are, how to approach them and really be able to form that relationship in order to communicate that value and even just create that value there. So I think that was, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so before we get into your professional experience, I'm sure everyone would love to know what Western was like, like in the early 2000s and what ultimately led you to pursue a degree in marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, uh, I, I love my time at Western and I'll tell anyone who will listen about the quality of education and community at Western. 
Um, so yeah, I got up there in 1999. was a was a Ridgeway Beta uh, <laughs> resident for a year, and then moved off campus. Um, but I always appreciated the the you know I remember I had a, a professor who one who one time said you know the the root word in university is universal and um, and I always appreciated Western's approach to a universal education you know making sure that you were well rounded both in um, some of the social sciences and hard sciences um, and uh, and so you know from my standpoint I um, kind of I always I kind of knew I would gra uh, gravitate towards communication, media, marketing somewhere. Um, I took uh, early in, in my uh, uh, educational career, took uh, intro to public speaking, you know, generally liked it um, and got more involved in the communication um, program uh, and department. Um, at that time, I think this is still the case, uh, the communication major made you actually pick a minor and that could be um, an official, um, university minor or it could be just a concentrated course of study and I was interested in marketing I you know my my dad was in advertising and I, they call us ad babies so we kind of grew up around the business and I kind of had a sense I'd graduate towards um, you know advertising marketing media communication somewhere and I wanted some of those marketing classes um, and I also really wanted to get through in four years so what I did is I ended up petitioning uh, to uh, work kind of interdepartmentally and take a bunch of marketing classes that formed a concentration. Um, it was a little bit uh, perilous at times because I had no standing. You know, it was like it was marketing uh, business majors with mar uh, business administration majors with uh, marketing focuses first, minors second. You know, and I was way down the list, um, but I was able to get into the classes I needed and, and graduated. And, um, so yeah, I you know from from that standpoint, my education was great. I remember we had some guest uh, professors, one from Wharton School of Business that I took a management class from. That you know you can't you can't replicate that. Um, and uh, you know and and then on the you know the community side, I just always appreciated Western's welcoming, um, inclusive nature. You know, I mean it's it there's no wrong answers, but uh, because it's a personal thing. But I always appreciated there was no Greek system because I felt like it really did force. Uh, acceptance and inclusivity and we're all in this together um, so really enjoyed that and I still have you know really really good friends that um, spawned from my time at Western so I look back at it fondly and like I said I'll tell anyone who will listen uh, about the uh, the virtues of, uh, of Western yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, no, I think, I think people take like a liberal arts education for granted sometimes. And um, professors have said this before, and it really sticks with me: is that Western and any liberal arts college, they're teaching you how to learn. You know, you can take all of these skills and stuff, but it's so that in the future, when anything faces, you'll be able to digest that and approach it confidently. So it's nice to hear that you're still using those skills and stuff to this day. Um, but yeah, and with the Greek system as well, I, I think that was definitely something that drew me to Western because there's, you know, and even today, there's so much controversy surrounded around that. So it's nice to know that, you know, the, the concept of inclusivity is really like put forth here at Western. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but were there any classes or like a professor that had a major impact on your time? here like during school yeah I mean a lot of them that I, I remember um, you know dr. Karen stout in the communication department was my mentor and I still in touch with her and um, she helped me a lot and you know both from kind of what you said learning how to learn and kind of learning how to uh, grow up and be a professional or a, you know a, at least a professional student um, uh, you know but also on the on the communication side too I loved the classes I took from her uh, there was a, a professor named Tara Perry who's in the communication department 
Um, and that was the first real kind of formal education I got into kind of some of the DEI themes. And, um, you know, I was in the early 2000s, but it was, you know, it was around um, uh, inter, inter, uh, intercultural marketing and um, and I took a professional excuse me, intercultural communication and professional communication course from her, but a lot of DEI themes through that. And that was really kind of eye-opening for me. Um, on the business side, uh, I had a great economics professor. I don't know if he's still there, uh, named uh, Mr. Sleeman, uh, Professor Sleeman, who did amazing lectures um, and took really kind of out of classroom abstract ideas to reinforce kind of core economic points. And I, I never missed a, uh, a lecture with him. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I, probably more than I'm, I'm, I'm remembering right now. But both in the in the marketing department and outside, um, I, I just really enjoyed my professors during my time there. Enjoyed the access to professors. Um, Wendy Wilhelm is another one uh, who was uh, at in the marketing department for a long time. She helped me. She was actually my kind of advocate when I worked interdepartmentally to get that concentration I mentioned. And 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 she was just a, a really smart. Um, seasoned marketer who happened to be teaching marketing that I, I took a lot from. So yeah, I mean, to a, to a person, just, just great, um, great experiences with the educators. Yeah. It's good to hear that you, I don't know, you're still being impacted by the things that you learned, even, you know, 20 years ago, it still follows you. Um, so many marketing students who are currently looking for that first out of college job are debating whether they want to work for an agency or go in-house and whether like which path is the right one for them. Can you offer any advice for those approaching that decision? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been meeting, I've met with probably three to four people over the last month who are kind of going through that same decision, uh, tree and, um, you know, I start by saying there's no wrong answers. Um, you know, and sometimes I'll meet with folks and they'll go, "I really want to work at an agency." And I'm like, "That's cool." Agency jobs can be hard to hard to come by, especially junior level, and especially at, in Seattle, uh, you know, where where I work, um, the agency scene has changed a lot. So what I tell folks is, yes, your your goal might be to um, work in an agency one day. But you can work tangentially, uh, you know, in other positions um, to get that experience to then translate to an eventual um, uh, agency job if it doesn't happen right out of the gate. Um, so I, I think that's one thing. I, I, I think the, the other thing, too, is that regardless of where you land in the marketing realm, you know, if you kind of just take the, the dyad of, um, of, of agency or, or client side, I do think there's huge benefit to having worked in both. Um, and so when you're, you know, if you go work in a marketing department and you have to interface with an agency, having been on the agency side, I think there's huge value in that. And then uh, if you're working at an agency, having uh, worked on the client side where you understand um, kind of the pressures and the day-to-days the -day on the client side can, can build huge empathy. I have a blind spot. I've never really worked on the client side. I've always been on the agency side and kind of, you know, looking in the rear view a little bit, I wish I, I may, I, I wish I would have uh, spent some time on the client side. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is to find, find a culture and find an organization that you, that feels good to you. Um, you know, don't settle out of the gate. Uh, uh, but I realize there's that pressure sometimes to land that first job. And, you know, this has become even more common, but it's always, you know, over the last 20 years, it's been a thing. 
the first five, 10 years of your career are about splashing around and figuring it out a little bit. So you don't need to, and, and, and it's not always a linear path. So I think some people get wrapped around their gears sometimes because they're thinking like, hey, what's my stepping stone, stepping stone, stepping stone. And I think if, as long as you're taking things away from each experience, and kind of filing, filing those away for later, then you can splash around while still moving towards an ultimate goal. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you were talking about how the agency scene in Seattle has changed. Can you kind of give us an insight into what that change has been? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressures on the agency business, right? There's, there's, um, you know, a lot of uh, agency historical agency work has gone in-house. You know, all of our clients have, um, you know, some degree of in-house marketing group or creative group that that looks and feels like an agency. They just happen to be inside an organization. So that's that's one thing. I think that. The agency business is tough, right? To to have clients that are enduring clients um, that where you're making the margins that allow you to continue to, to continue to go to keep the continuity of leadership uh, and staff um, is challenging. And so I say all that is back. And then you know the pandemic, right? Like we can't we can't um, pretend like the pandemic didn't happen, which which created huge headwinds for agencies. You know, a lot of uh, clients pulled back budgets. Um, you know, kind of looked elsewhere, went quiet. It certainly happened to us. We were able, we feel very fortunate in being able to work through that, but it, some agencies weren't weren't as lucky. And I, all, I say that all as backdrop that, you know, we used to have, you know, it was a small, decently insular community in Seattle, but you had some really good mid-sized agencies on the, on the, uh, on the, on the landscape. And that's changed. You know, we have some bigger agencies, uh, networked agencies in town. We have a lot of smaller agencies in town, you know, eight to 12 kind of, you know, senior, sometimes sole proprietor driven. Um, there used to be more mid-sized agencies, uh, Wong Duty. Um, and Wong Duty still around. They're doing great, but they've been acquired by a consultancy. And so their kind of thing has changed. Um, you know, Green Rubino, DNA, and Copacino Fujikado, um, uh, Wexley School for Girls isn't around anymore. And so so, you know, and, and some of those other agencies have, have uh, you know, changed or evolved or pivoted or unfortunately shuttered um, or aren't exactly what they were. So it, the whole situation has uh, changed a little bit. And I think part of that is the community. And this is something that I think about a lot is um, the connectedness of the community has been disrupted a little bit by COVID. And I think we're trying to get back to that, you know, trying to kind of recenter ourselves. Um, but also just the, the, the challenges of, of our industry has uh, created has has kind of sifted out some of the agencies and sometimes it makes me sad because I think that you know iron sharpens iron and we're all you know the kind of the, to use a, a bad term like frenemies you know like even though we, we compete for business and we're competitive we're still friends and we still want the best things for other agencies so see see agencies fall on hard times um, you know, it's kind of disheartening to me. I feel fortunate that we've been able to power through. Um, you know, there were times in the pandemic where we looked at each other and go, how is this going to work? Um, you know, we had a very much, you know, let's survive and then thrive and, 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 you know, kind of credit to our leadership, credit to our people, credit to our clients. Most importantly, um, we've been able to, to make it through. And I think we, we feel like we're uh, on the backside and, and, uh, maybe not thriving, but <laughs> totally, but, uh, definitely on the way to that yeah but you would say you would think like the community of the company that you're working at is what really like pulled everyone together to keep going and to like you know strive to to achieve more even in a time of hardship like covid yeah i think so you know i i i think our leadership 
really set uh, kind of set the the tempo of that. We we had an interesting thing, um, you know, without going too far into the weeds. We we uh, re-upped our lease in our office down on Fourth and Pike, um, right up from the Pike Place Market in 2019 because that's what you're supposed to you know no one knew that the world was going to stop and and so we re-upped our lease and part of that was um we got a bunch of tenant improvements to refurbish our offices as part of re-upping that long-term lease those had to be used in calendar year 2020. so uh, i only say that as a backdrop and context for uh in february of 2020 we had we were ready to go remote for 12 weeks just anyways because we were going to remodel our offices. We were going to take up space at WeWork. We were going to work remotely. We upgraded our Zoom technology even before like Zoom became like the most powerful thing in the world. Uh, we, um, you know, kind of our remote security settings and everything, we kind of made sure they were good. So when, but then, you know, we, we saw this kind of coming cloud of the pandemic and the news that was coming. So we never started that construction project uh, or we, we, we started it later, but we were ready to go work remote. So I think our transition to that was quicker. Um, and, you know, a little bit of sheer force of will, right? Like we just had to go, okay, we have clients who still need things. We have a business that needs to sustain. We have people who rely on this for their livelihoods. How are we gonna make this make this work? And we, we did, we got scrappy, we got creative. No revenue was bad revenue. Um, and it was a really, you know, kind of coming together of our agency community you know, kind of vision set by leadership, but a credit to pers- people across the agency to pull together and, you know, try to make as much lemonade out of the lemons we were dealt. Um, and we struggled, uh, you know, that some of the, the, the federal loans that were available helped us for sure. Uh, but starting in about October of 20, we started to win some business and started to kind of uh, come back and, and 21 was was good. 22 was was even better. Um, and we're you know we're we're pretty optimistic as we uh, as we look ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. I think being optimistic is because I often find myself being a little pessimistic. Just you know, with the state of the world, it's so easy to do that. But it's it's a powerful skill to be able to be optimistic and optimistic and be able to push through things like that. And you see the success as you know with Copacino Fujikato, like you guys persevered through that. And even though you had like a little bit of an advantage kind of going online, you know, you still wouldn't have been able to persevere through that without that optimism. So um, backpedaling just a little bit. So when you first graduated from Western, what sort of things like skills or roles were you hoping to find in that first job out of college? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. Um, I I was looking to apply my education, but do it in a way that, um, you know, where there, where there was learning. So I was looking to attach myself to, uh, you know, leader or leaders I could really learn from, you know, and not to make this all about the pandemic, but I think that's some of the kind of the negative part of of working remotely is that young people in new jobs didn't had less connection to their leaders you know uh, weren't able to learn through osmosis i was and so um you know the ability so that was a big thing is just find find a leader that i could learn from and kind of be that proverbial sponge um you know i wanted i wanted to find a a place that would allow me to um have an impact Kind of right away on the work. Um, that's a whole other discussion. Maybe we can get into later about you know big versus small agencies and those kind of things. But I've always worked for smaller agencies, and the benefit of that is that you have more. You know, you, you can see more immediate impact of your work um, on the work and on on the pro- on the progress you're making. 
Um, I, I you know I think that's I think that those are that those are the big things. I mean I, I I felt I left Western with a really good solid foundation, both you know in kind of hard and soft skills, and maybe that's kind of mirrors my education and kind of the human communication versus kind of more nuts and bolts marketing kind of melded together. Um, but I was ready just to put that to practice and kind of show folks what I what I could do and and but also you know be that that lifelong learner and, and really and really um, learn from people who've been doing this uh, a lot longer than I have. Yeah, yeah, and I think that connects to what you were saying earlier about like just not putting so much pressure on yourself coming out of college. You know, like the first five to ten years is just kind of getting your footing and knowing what you want because marketing in the marketing industry there are so many different paths you can take so it's it's um confining to just put yourself on that one path and just try and stick to that so i think that's reassuring to all of the people who are preparing to graduate to just know there's so many opportunities and you can do whatever you want and you know you can make an impact in whatever you're doing totally and i and um, i think and i think you know to that point it's like you might still have a goal hey i want to do this at one point but like it doesn't have to be like i said earlier like this straight line you can kind of ping pong around as long as your eyes on the prize and work your way towards that. Definitely, yeah. Um, with that, can you walk us through your career journey and how that led you to Copacino Fujikato? And then just for those who are unaware, kind of give the audience just like a brief description of what CF is and what they offer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, my just all cards on the table and, and nepotism aside, but I'll speak to this in a second. My dad started the agency uh, with, uh, with his business partner, Betty Fujikato, and we're actually 25 years this year. The first day uh, of uh, that they were open was January 1st, 1998. Oh my gosh! Congrats! Yeah, That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, so you know, so I had grown up around the business, but I will promise you that wasn't a foregone conclusion. I was just going to go work for Daddy's agency. Like that wasn't going to be a thing that, you know. Um, so, so, uh, so when I got out of school, I was thinking about what was next, and um, I wasn't even married about staying in. You know, I'm born and raised in Seattle, but it wasn't a foregone conclusion that I was going to just stay in Seattle, and so I. I, I almost moved to Boston. I almost took a job with the, uh, the San Diego Padres in San Diego, but I was still kind of interested in Seattle. I, I, I liked Seattle. I didn't necessarily just want to jump ship, um, you know, to, to do so. Uh, but I was also really kind of interested in the you know, marketing communications world. And um, so almost, you know, was a finalist for a job at the Seahawks and, um, you know, didn't get it, uh, an internal candidate get, uh, got it. I continued to kind of work in, I had a, 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 fr a friend uh, who who uh, was connected to an agency. I, I temped there for about a month, just kind of worked my way around. Um, and actually during that time working at the, as a temp in that agency, I was like, man, I really do like kind of agency life. I, I kind of like that vibe. I kind of like what it's about. And then I was very much, you know, thinking about well, I'm going to stay in Seattle. Uh, and so then those kind of two forces started to kind of combine. And I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to stay in Seattle and work at an agency, it's going to make for some really awkward Thanksgiving dinners if I'm um, working at a competing agency, you know? So like, so, and, and, and over that time it started to evolve. And then literally one day uh, the phone rang, uh, my, I guess the phone, my phone uh, <laughs> rang and, uh, and, um, it was Betty Fujikato, who I'd known for a long time. But she said, hey, you know, like, hey, we're starting to get really busy uh, on REI. They, uh, Copacino Fujikato had won their REI account, uh, doing a lot of work for them. And she said, you know, would you like to come in and help us a little bit on REI? And I was, you know, 23, living at home, 
<laughs> not a lot of dollars in the uh, bank account and all that. And I said, yeah, let's, I would, I think that's great. Let's do that. So I did. And I, and I, you know, it was kind of in a contract temp position for about two months. Um, and I remember one night we were, Betty and I were working together uh, and it was, you know, like 7.30 at night. We were finishing a presentation for the next day. And she said, hey, how would you like to come and work here full time? And I, you know, I was a little bit of like, okay, what does this all mean? And like, can I, do I come work for dad? And how's that work? And gosh, what does that mean for everyone else? And what, gosh, you know, nepotism and all these different things. But I, I kind of was like, you know what, at this point, if I'm going to work in an agency, work in Seattle, I'm going to work here. And the way that worked was, you know, my dad was a writer, creative by trade, and Betty is a strategist and business person by trade. And that was their kind of complimentary you know, kind of situation. Um, and Betty's the smartest person I've ever worked under. I mean, she's worked with, worked under, you know, she's just, she's incredible. And so I kind of, back to what I said earlier, it's like to find that leader that you can kind of go on to and go, man, I can learn a lot from you. It was actually the most perfect uh, position. So I did. I mean, I worked there. Uh, so I, you know, kind of got over myself a little bit and, 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 and started working there uh, for about two and a half years, almost three years, working almost exclusively on REI. Uh, working on their kind of sale and grand opening initiatives for different stores and, and then their sale time periods. Um, and then I actually left the agency. I, I, you know, this is going to you know, sound very self-involved, but I think, you know, I like a, like a quarter life crisis or whatever. <laughs> I was like, what does it mean? I could, I guess I could stay and work for this agency for the rest of my life. What does that mean? And I had a friend who became a partner in a um, boutique wine distributor and we were out to drinks one night and he said, you know, would you like to come be a sales and marketing um person for me and I was 26 and single at the time I was like yeah that sounds great so did that for about two and a half years um, and this is and I only say that because it was not a great experience um, the marketing side of wine was really really interesting I loved it and I actually carried that forward to work that when we did a lot of work for St. Michelle Wine Estates back at the agency but the sales side was brutal and not to say all sales jobs are bad but again you have to find the you have to find where you prosper and, um, you know, I was in my car a lot by myself, staring at my windshield, driving to hell and back, trying to sell wine. And I missed super team oriented collaborative environments. And I had to come to that realization on my own. And I tell people that a lot, like you had, even in a bad situation in, in a, in a role or position or company or job yet that you despise, you can take things from that. And sometimes it's just the converse. I don't want to work in that kind of thing anymore. But you have to shine the light on those uh, those roles that, and those environments that you don't like to find the environments where you do thrive and do prosper. And I think that's a really invaluable lesson. So I was like, I want to work in a more, more team-focused environment, a more creative environment, more collaborative, collaborative environment. And, uh, you know, so I was kind of going through that. And then one day the phone rang again. And it was Betty Fujikato. And she said, hey, um, I know you're doing this wine thing and I hope it's going well, but um, – you know, we're, uh, we, we just lost a, an account person on our team. Um, and I'd love to talk about, uh, you coming back to the agency and I was kind of already there anyways, but I kind of needed that. Like, Oh, you want me? Great. Cool. And so, um, uh, so I came back in 2008 and I have been, been there since. Nice. Nice. And what position do you hold there currently? I'm a senior director of business development. So I, I'm in charge of our new business kind of, you know, effort. So, um, you know, New business is the lifeblood of an agency. You constantly need to bring new clients in. Um, so I manage both our outbound proactive outreach and our inbound. We get a lot of inquiries, and you know we're fortunate that our reputation proceeds. So we get a lot of you know 
emails, calls, and like, hey, is this a possible situation? My job is to figure out if it is uh, a good a good uh, opportunity for us, and then to, to land that. I also oversee our agency marketing, uh, all of our different channels, and then um, get pretty involved in our business operations too, both like new capabilities, like, hey, we have a new thing. We're launching a podcast capability right now, uh, mm-hmm. coincidentally. Um, but you know, like, so what is that capability and then how does it work exactly inside the agency and then other kind of business operation and process stuff. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, Okay, so we're going to move into our next segment, which we call Juicy Questions. Um, So we reached out to current marketing students when we were beginning developing this podcast, and we asked them to submit questions for late career marketing alum, Mm -hmm. and we then separated them into three separate buckets depending on the juiciness of the question. So we'll start with the not-so-juicy and with the extra-juicy, and we are recording this virtually, so I am going to do the honors in picking the questions for you, so you have to trust my picking abilities. Um, so here, yes. So here's our first bucket. Okay. So the first question: uh, What are your favorite memories working in marketing? Uh, a lot of them. Um, you know, one's more kind of like uh, global, uh, not global in the world, but just kind of like all-encompassing. Is just working with really smart people. You know, that this industry, agency or marketing, draws interesting, smart, worldly people and just working with those folks and taking something away and looking, you know, kind of really understanding their perspective is, is really, really cool. Um, you know, the time I mentioned, uh, you know, my two and a half years, uh, marketing and selling wine. When I came back to the agency in 2008, I was very interested in like, I still want to market wine cause I really like that. And so we were able to uh, work with St. Michelle wine estates, you know, shout to St. Michelle, 14 hands, Columbia crest, E-Rath, Steg's leap, a bunch of other brands. Uh, you know, and and so we worked with um, St. Michelle from about 2013 through 2020, and uh, wow, and that was awesome. You know, we were able to grow with them, grow our capabilities. Uh, you know, one of the best client agency relationships I've ever been a part of, where really those lines between client and agency are blurred, and it's just a team working together. Um, so that, that those are really fond memories. Um, we did a, you know, we, we uh, the Seattle Mariners were our founding um, client, an inaugural client in 1998. So, and I, I managed that business for a while. So, you know, going down to spring training, it's actually a little bit of like feeling it, you know, kind of a, a void because this would be about the time period where we'd be really busy working on uh, Mariners campaigns for the upcoming season um, and being down and shooting those commercials and being, you know, I was, I'm a baseball fan. I always have been. So, you know, it's kind of a, uh, a dream realized, but also just kind of the camaraderie, the fun, the collaboration, the stress, kind of good stress, and then ultimately the product that we created, you know, kind of create this created this groundswell of a fanfare that was really fun to be part of. So those are the, the big things that strike, but there's there's been a lot of cool memories and things that I, I take away. I feel really fortunate and privileged to, to have had those. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so we'll do one more question from this bucket. Okay. Um, what do you love most about your career? Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of things. So, so, you know, where, where I'm at now is I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a leader and I get to, uh, you know, lead initiative projects, uh, in, um, teams forward. And I really enjoy that. Like, I really enjoy kind of, uh, help helping us achieve things. That's, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, you know, in advertising, uh, you have the unique ability to kind of think about how um, 
you know, to, to, to change culture, to change behavior, to persuade. And not, again, in a manipulative way, but like, here's the thing, here's a benefit. Think about it this way. Like, that's really powerful. And, and to do that with communication or, you know, powerful messages is, is really, 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 really fun. Um, I think the last thing, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, since I started in this business, it's changed a lot. I mean, we don't have to talk about <laughs> the rise of digital and all those things. We know that. But, um, but the coolness to the ability of like, if you have an idea, you can kind of make it, you know, like if you put time and money aside for a second, <laughs> if you dream it, you can do it. And then reality is coming out of time, money and all those pragmatic things we have to talk about. But you can kind of do it. And that's amazing, right? You can make things, you can create things, you can fabricate things. Um, and that's pretty cool to have an idea and go, yep, we can do that. And then figuring out how to do it and almost starting from, you know, A and knowing that Z and then along that path is pretty cool. Yeah, now that's what makes me really excited about marketing is that the opportunities are really endless. And with, you know, technology today, I'm very grateful to be graduating, you know, in 2023 and like you were saying you really get to do whatever you want and you have so many resources and tools to be able to make that a reality okay so now on to bucket number two moderately juicy right yeah moderately juicy <laughs> okay how would you launch into a job after college if you had to do it over again great question um you know like the over again part of that you know means that you might have had some you know misgivings or laments um you know I, I i do think that this is just my own personal experience but um i talked about uh not working on the brand side uh you know in marketing and i've always been on the agency side i think you know being on the client side having being a client working with an agency i think would have been a really good learning piece for me um and then you know i i sometimes i you know i think you have to be self aware and understand where your blind spots are in all facets um you know i've i've i lived in portland for like four months but i've <laughs> beyond that i've lived basically in seattle um so you know I, I i may have taken that job in san diego i might have gone to boston i might have done that and just getting that you, know, you can always come home you can always come back um but just gotten that perspective a little bit and the, the last part of it um you know and this is this is something i talk about with 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 you know people trying to cracked agency uh, world is, you know, big versus small agency. And, um, and there are, it's, there's no wrong answers. It's almost like how you pick a, uh, a, a university or college to go to, right? Like, do you want to go to a state school with 70,000 people? Or do you want to go to a smaller, you know, you know, 3000 person liberal arts school? Do you want to go somewhere in between like Western? Like, there's no wrong answers. It's just kind of what, you know, what drives you and where you find most comfort in your uh, surroundings. Um, same thing for big agency for small agency. There's just, there's no good or bad. There's just things. Um, that said, I do think there's benefit in people who want to make agency life their career uh, to work both in big and small agencies. And I don't have that. I've worked in you know small to mid-sized agencies my whole life. And I think I could have benefited from going and working at a big network shop in LA or New York or Chicago or San Francisco and just gotten that experience both from the brand level, but also just training and just, just kind of the, even the, the broader scale, um, of, uh, of our industry. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So one last, um, do you ever look back at what you learned at Western and use it? Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, almost, uh, you know, daily, if not, if not weekly. I mean, just, you know, and it's, and just like little takeaways, right? Little things, um, you know, that we, we had to do work on our personal brand. And I think about that a lot, like actually distill our personal brand, um, takeaways, you know, little things in, in, you know, little quips or, you know, thoughts that professors said, like when I had a professor one, the marketing professor one time said, if you don't understand it, you're probably not in the target market. And that's always been really powerful to me because you're like, well, I don't like it. Well, you're not intended for you. You're not supposed to even have an opinion on it. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then on the communication side and, and, and really, you know, I took a communication ethics course my senior year and just like how you have discourse with someone, but like do that ethically. Um, you know, it's something I think about all the time, especially in tough conversations. Cause like, it's not always like super pleasant, but am I giving this person uh, space? Am I making am I, am I uh, making them feel comfortable? Are, are we, are we allowing each other to get to a mutual outcome that we can feel good about? Um, you know, those are things I draw on all the time. Perfect. Okay. So now on to the extra juicy questions uh, here. I've been nervous. I know. Okay. Uh, what is one thing you wish you did differently in your career? You kind of touched on this with the, the agency side, but anything else do you think? Um, you know, I know, I think I kind of touched on it. Um, you know, I, I, I landed softly in my career because it was familiar, uh, obviously, um, you know, I think creating a little bit more discomfort if I'm like really self-effacing and, and you know like like good discomfort. Um, I mean, my my job was always always compartmentalized where I was working under Betty. Um, if you ever have the pleasure to meet Betty, she is a amazing woman. But there are no kind of handouts and there are no like you know so so I had to work for it and I did. Um, but I think creating a little bit more kind of intentional discomfort along the way would have would have would have helped me more. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. What was your most embarrassing interview and how did you prepare for it beforehand? Embarrassing interview. Um, I, I remember a, uh, an interview I went on uh, to an agency here in town uh, that's, I don't think they have a Seattle office in London, FCB for Cone Building. They have a Seattle office for a long time. Um, and I wasn't prepared. And I, so I was like, did I prepare? No, I didn't. I, I wasn't. I mean, I didn't really, I, I kind of knew, but like, I didn't know what I was walking into. And um, I think it was actually the first like legit interview that I did. And, you know, you can have all the, you know, I think I did all the right things like academically. Like I kind of like, I knew who I was, I was uh, meeting with. I tried to have questions to ask all those things, but like, you know, in the room, you know, and I just remember like, I talk too much, which is, you know, not uncommon for me. I, uh, you know, I, I, and I think I, I didn't go as deep and I, on answers or I kind of stayed at the platitude level. I don't know. I just remember like walking out of there and I was like, that didn't feel as good as it could have been. Um, I think I even said, uh, you know, and I can't believe I even said this, but like, you know, I think I even quoted Donald Trump, like, like, because at, at that point, like, the the Apprentice was a big deal. I mean, I'm dating myself. The early 2000s, the Apprentice was a deal, and they asked me a question about, you know kind of management I was you know I said you know like I, I didn't want to show up one day and like you're fired you know like ah. I look back on that like what was I doing um 
So yeah, I think that one. But you you learn from it. Like I think I tell people a lot uh, when they're looking for jobs, like do interviews. Even if I mean not to be um, disingenuous, but if you are in a decision period between do I interview or do I not interview, go interview because it's like a muscle. Like you telling your story, reacting to those questions, connecting with different people is 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 a is is a muscle to develop and i think that doing so um is a good thing so i you know and i and i and i did and i got better at it and i didn't quote donald trump anymore so I... <laughs> <laughs> that's i'll keep that i'll yes. keep that in mind yes. when i go interview <laughs> yeah in our integrated marketing communications class with dan purdy he talks a lot about how being able to go into an interview like that is a skill that you have to have mm-hmm. um same with like you know, if you have a really, really good resume, the resume is just getting you an interview. You have to be good at, you know, going through that interview process just to get to the next stage. So it's good to know that, you know, you can have practice and you can go to interviews and you can, you know, build up those skills. So it's funny to hear that, you know, everyone has those moments. <laughs> you know, do you mind if I touch on that a, a second? Yeah. Because I just think there's something interesting in that, something I think about a lot. Um, Sometimes when folks go into interviews, they go, well, I don't have exactly the experience for this. And so how, and, and I always think like people love a well-told story, told story. It's why like podcasts uh, and audio have exploded over the last 10 years and people love stories. So the ability to turn your narrative, your story into a story is really helpful, right? Like, so, Hey, I went and did this and I learned this and I, and, you know, and so being, and, and, and the way you, you create that story is by definition of personal brand. And so that's another thing I, I talk to people a lot about is like, you know, it sounds almost cheesy to do, but like, what is your, what is your personal brand? How would you write the copy for personal brand? Like personal, a brand is just a collection of attributes, right? Regardless if it's, if it's Coke, FedEx, you know, or Miller Lite, like it's just, they're just attributes. But, a, and I'm gonna channel a person I've worked with for 18 years at the, at the agency named Tim O'Mara, who has instilled this in me and I think about it all the time. And, and, and his his saying is that um, brands are a collection of attributes, but they have to be the right set of attributes, and they have to be relevant, authentic, and differentiating. You know, uh, so authentic, absolutely, you have to be true to yourself. They have to be relevant to whoever you're communicating with, and they have to be differentiating. And you have to actually find all three of those, because if you only have two of those, you can find yourself in some bad places. You know, if you're if you're relevant and uh, authentic, but not differentiating, well, you just blend in. And if you're if you're relevant and differentiating, but not authentic, well, the people see through you. And then, you know, and then, and if you're, if you're authentic and relevant, but not different, you can become a commodity. So all these different things, and that, that translates to personal brand too. And I only go through that to say, um, when you're in that interview, you want to have a really good sense of what your personal brand is, because that's kind of your backbone. And then all these other things that you're talking to can tie back into an authentic personal brand story and allow you to tell that story. Um, so you're always coming back to a place that feels very comforting to you and very comfortable to you and, and, and you're secure and confident in it, regardless of what questions asked, you can tie it back to that. So just thanks for giving me a second to expound on that, but I think it's an important point. No, of course. That's all of us in the room right now are smiling because in integrated marketing communications, a huge segment of that class is creating your own independent personal brand. And you have to do all of the things that you're you're touching on, creating, you know, all of your brand attributes, your values, your mission, your value proposition statement, all of these things is just to know who you are and how you can connect and make that personal connection to a company or an agency or whatever you're planning to do. So it's awesome to know that that is such a 
a strong skill that you have to have be able, in order to succeed and be able to be confident in yourself when searching for jobs and such. So that was that was awesome to hear. Thank you for that. Um, so last episode, we asked our guest, Chad Lindstrom, who actually graduated from Western in 2010, if he had any questions for late career alumni. And he wanted to know if there was anything defining in your career that really pushed you to that next stage or what was that spark that really has kept you going? Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'll answer that two different ways. Um, the, the, the thing that kind of propelled me it was, I think, the work that we did for St. Michelle. Um, you know, I had a wine background. Um, but when we started working with St. Michelle, um, we unlocked a lot of opportunity. I mean, like not just agency opportunity, like here's how we can help this brand and here's all. And like imposter syndrome is real, right? Like it's like, it's, it's absolutely real, but, um, but that can, that can either kind of like, uh, suppress you or scare you, or it can fuel you and you can go like, okay, I got to figure this out. So we, we identified opportunities. And I and, and in my leadership on that, I didn't and I didn't know how to get to like I didn't know always what I was doing or how to do, it, but I had a I was you know I had a had a an idea of where we needed to go, and you just kind of tried to figure it out along the way. And in doing so, um, you know I, I look back on that, and those were big steps in my career. You know how do you how do you galvanize a team? How do you walk into um, a you know boardroom with clients and 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 put a strong recommendation in front of them? How do you uh, how do you lead, you know, really kind of complicated strategic issues? How do you um, take on new capabilities that, as an agency you've never done, but really figure out how they work for, and, and to high value of the client? So I think I think that experience really helped me over those those you know seven to eight years we worked with, with Saint Michelle. And then you know the last part of your question, what keeps me going? Um, you know, I still I still love this business. You know, I I, I you know I guess it can't get too far. Like I called myself an ad baby at one point, but it, like it's true. Like I just, um, it's a it's an amazing business. There are tough days. There there are it's a grind. Sometimes sometimes you go, you know, like what are we doing or what am I doing? But I think that's a lot of jobs. And then but the you know the ability to work you know interesting, cool, um, dynamic people find their way to agencies and I've always really enjoyed that and then being able to build something collectively with them um, is really really cool and you know as I look back now in 25 years of our agency um, you know there, there, there's a pride uh, familial sure but just gen I've been here for 18 years and so there's a pride to keep it going and and honor that legacy while continuing to build um, what I think is a pretty special place so I think that's what that's what keeps me going. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, again, just touching back on the IMC class, it's just Dan really wants to lead us to find our passion because I I know personally when I first went into business, I was like, well, I know that it's going to be stable for me. It's a stable career choice. I'm going to be, you know, financially secure. Um, and work is just, you know, a way to get a paycheck. But there is you can find passion in what you do and you can find enjoyment and fulfillment. And it's, it's um, reassuring to hear that still, you know, even 18 years after being with the same company, you still are able to find that every single day. Absolutely. And I, and I would say if, you know, if people are, who are mid or late, I guess in my case, <laughs> in their career, um, can't find that anymore, it's time to change it up. Because, you know, we spend too much time at our jobs. They occupy too much of our life and mind space to, 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 
to detest what you do and or for not to derive some sort of passion. So I, I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and you touched on this a little bit. And, you know, the marketing industry can be a little scary because it is constantly changing. But that allows for endless opportunities to grow as a marketer. So with that in mind, where do you hope to see yourself 10 years down the line? Yeah, you know, I think that um, continuing to lead this agency forward. Um, I'm 41, so I'm, I'm certainly not like long in the tooth. Um, I think I still have, uh, uh, you know, good work in front of me. Um, what I want to do is, um, this gets a little bit of inside baseball uh, of advertising, but, um, you know, a lot of great independent agencies have emanated from different uh, advertising areas and not always, you know, like, New York, Chicago, LA, right? Like, you know, um, Fallon uh, grew up in Minnesota. Um, uh, Crispin Porter Bogusky grew up in, you know, Miami. Yeah, like there's different, there, you know, at Wyden Kennedy, which is probably the best agency on the planet now, started as a independent agency in Portland. Like, so I want, I wanted to find uh, Seattle by Copacino Fujikado and have, and, and have that be a nationally recognized agency, nationally recognized agency that happens to be in Seattle. And that's, that's my, um, that's my focus. That's my goal over the next 10 years and continue to lead a great team and continue to do great work. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it sounds cheesy, but our clients buy, buy results. That's why they hire us. They don't hire us for cool offices or, you know, funny people or they hire us because we create difference in their business. So we have to do that every day. Um, and that's, that's what I want to help keep leading and achieving for our clients. Yeah, and I, uh, just doing some research on the company, I feel like you guys are in that direction. I, I think I read that you guys were awarded the Small Agency Award four times now, I think in yeah. the last 10 years or so. So I don't know. I feel like obviously I'm definitely an outside perspective, but just hearing how you speak of the company and the leadership that's associated with associated with it um, and just like the national recognition it's receiving, I feel like you guys are definitely on the way to achieving those goals. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, so that pretty much sums everything up. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. It's been such a pleasure to hear about your experience at Western, as well as, you know, your experiences in the professional world. We are going to plug your LinkedIn in the description of the podcast. So if anyone wants to reach out, maybe ask you any more questions, if you're comfortable with that. Um, and even, yeah, they just want to reach out to you. So thank you again for taking the time to be the very last guest um, and giving back to the marketing department. We hope you have a great rest of your day. And it was such a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for having me. It was awesome to be here and uh, anything for Western. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of After Class featuring late career alum Chris Copacino. You can follow the Marketing by the Minute podcast to watch the last two episodes of After Class and get insight into each stage of the marketing journey. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>